We are uh, going to start a new series, not today, uh, but in a couple weeks. We're going to start a new series, and so uh, be looking for some information on that uh, over your email or over uh, Facebook. We'll, we'll get some information on that new series, uh, but we're going to, just today, I've had this passage uh, in my head for, for quite a while, uh, and uh, it's, it's one of my favorite passages from one of my favorite books, uh, one of my favorite characters in all the Bible, uh, besides Jesus and God, obviously, that's kind of a mainstay, right? You can't not have those as your favorite characters in this book. Uh, but uh, outside of that, uh, my favorite person that we read about in Scripture, his name is Joshua. Uh, and uh, Joshua, I just, I love going back to the stories and Joshua, I love just the, the boldness and the passion that Joshua has as he goes through his life and he lives his life. God, Joshua lived like it mattered. He led like it mattered. Joshua was a guy who really truly believed that God is who he says he is and he will do the things that he says he will do. You hear me say that all the time. That comes from, really, it comes from the example of Joshua. Joshua is a guy who, who lived like it mattered and led like it mattered, uh, and uh, he fully trusted that God is who he says he is. He'll do what he says he will do. We're going to spend some time today in the, in the very last chapter of Joshua, Joshua chapter 24. We're going to kind of work our way there. If you want to go there and get ahead, you're more than welcome to, but we're going to kind of work our way there as we go through the story of Joshua and all the things that were going on in his life to get to this last chapter of Joshua. We actually first read about Joshua in the book of Numbers. Uh, the book of Numbers has more than just numbers, uh, if you believe that. We read about Joshua in the book of Numbers, Numbers 13 and 14. Uh, if you remember the story, Moses is the leader of the Israelites at this point. Uh, they have come out of Egypt, and they are uh, going towards the promised land, the land that God has given them uh, and, and basically promised their ancestors. From Abraham on, I will give you this land. I will lead you here. Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15, God says, I, I will give you this land. I, I, go to the land that I am promising you, he says to Abraham. Genesis 12, Genesis 15, this is the land. They are out of Egypt. They are on their way to this land. Uh, they are close enough to the promised land to be able to send some spies into the land to see, uh, just to kind of scope it out. What is, what is in store for us as we go in and as we overtake this land? And so they send in 12, 12 spies. Two of these spies uh, are Joshua and, and his buddy Caleb. Uh, the other 10 we don't really have the names for, but they go into this land, and when they come out of this land, 10 of those spies say, this land is... We, we can't do this. They are too big. They are too, uh, their, their land is too defensible. We don't have a chance to do this. Joshua and Caleb come in, in Numbers chapter uh, 13 and 14, and they kind of say the opposite. And actually, in, in, uh, in Numbers chapter 14, Joshua says this, uh, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes after hearing these people say, we can't do it. They tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. 
And you can see this, this passion from Joshua and Caleb to do the things that God has told them to do. That God is, if God is who he says he is, he'll do the things he says he'll do, then this land is ours. These people, their defense is gone, Joshua says. Ten against two does not win, and, and uh, it didn't win that day either. Those ten spies convinced the people to not go in to the promised land. But I just want to remind us that this is a land that God had promised these people. To not go in when God was giving them the land was, was quite literally an act of disobedience to God. They did not do what God had them do. It was an act of disobedience. And that act of disobedience had some consequences. Forty years in the desert. And it comes down that no one over the age of 20 at the time of the disobedience, will go into the promised land. There are two notable exceptions to this, Joshua and Caleb. Fast forward to the, for the end of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses is done leading the people of Israel because Moses is one of those people who does not get to go in. We don't talk about that very often. Moses never got to see it. Moses transfers the leadership of Israel to Joshua. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 7, uh, he says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be dis- afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord is going before you. And he is going with you. You can tell that Joshua took these words to heart. You cannot read the book of Joshua and not understand that Joshua really took that to heart and really knew what that meant. That God was going before them. That God would go with them. That God would be there. He would never leave them. He would never forsake them. I mean, you get to Joshua chapter 3. And they, uh, this is the second river crossing for the people of Israel. As if God is just reminding them, look at all the things that I can do. Look at, look at what I can do to bring you across here. Back in Exodus, back in Egypt, you walked across the Red Sea on dry land. Today, here we go. Let's go across the Jordan on dry land. The people of Israel in chapter 3 walk across the Jordan River on dry land. Chapter 6, we get the walls of Jericho coming down. This is like the... the the worst battle plan in all of battle plans. I, I just, I, I think about this all the time, and I know you guys have heard me say this before probably. I think about this battle plan all the time, just the huddle with Joshua and his generals when he's relaying to them the plan that God has put before them to overtake Jericho. All right, guys, here's what we're going to do. We are going to walk, a, walk around this city one time a day for six days. And on the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times. And at the end, we're going to scream really loud and make as much noise as we can. The walls will come down and we'll take them. Sure, Joshua. Yeah, sounds about right, right? Sounds, sounds, sounds like this is a great battle plan. This is, I think uh, there's probably some generals uh, looking to kind of make sure he's okay, right? Are you, are you good, Joshua? Are, are you okay to lead us right here? Because this sounds ridiculous, but they do it. They walk around the city one time a day for six days. On the seventh day, they walk around seven times. They make as much noise as possible. The walls come down, and they take over the city. 
This is how God moves before them and with them. And you can just see Joshua knows that God is who he says he is. He's going to do the things he says he'll do. You get to chapter 10 and and talk about God going before them and with them. In chapter 10, God is literally fighting with them in battle, throwing down hailstones from heaven on the enemy. In Joshua chapter 10, it says more enemies died from, from the hail than from the Israelites. God was literally fighting with these people. And Joshua prays this prayer in chapter 10. He says, God, may the sun not go down until this is over, essentially. And the sun doesn't go down. Because Joshua has the bold faith to say, God, I know you are who you say you are. You'll do the things you say you will do. We want to follow you. And so after all of that, after all that's said and done, they get into the promised land They begin to divide up the land, and Joshua, in chapter 24, which is where we're going to spend our time today, this is kind of his his farewell speech to the people of Israel. Joshua chapter 24, so we're going to be this morning, if you're in your pew Bibles, you want to follow along, we're going to be on page 201, Joshua chapter 24. We're going to read the first half, and then we'll continue reading the second half later. Here's what he says. Then Joshua assembled, actually we'll just read the whole thing, through verse 28. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there. And I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen, but as far as, far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and when you took possession of their land, and, and you took possession of their land, when Balak, son of Zippor, the, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you, but I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again. I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites. Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites, but I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. I gave, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build. And you live in them, and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord, and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, 
whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been, after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, Throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people, and there at Shechem he reaffirmed for them the decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, This stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. This is kind of the final moments of Joshua as the leader of Israel. In fact, the next few verses read about Joshua passing away at 110 years old. This is the end, though. This is kind of the this is kind of the end of the movie. You know, this is the the scene at the end of Ocean's Eleven where they all meet at the fountain and then one by one just start walking away. All right? This is this is the end of this is the end of the story of Joshua. This is this is the end of the movement here. This is the end of everything. And I think this final speech is amazing. I think I don't think there's any other way, any better way that Joshua could have ended his leadership over Israel than in this way. Is here's, here's what he's doing. First of all, he's reminding them that God has been faithful. And you read just the first half of what we read today, the first 13 verses, and all you hear is, God has been faithful. Remember what I did with Abraham. Remember how I brought you out. Remember the Red Sea. Remember the dark cloud that was in between you and the Egyptians. Remember, remember, remember what I have done for you. Remember my faithfulness to you. God is just is reminding the people through through Joshua here that he has been faithful. And this is a really similar passage in a lot of ways to a couple other passages. There's one in Hebrews chapter 11 that we call the Hall of Faith, which is just kind of a reminder of all the people how God has been faithful through each and every one of these people. You look back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and right after the Shema, there's, there is this call to, to remember that God has been faithful. In fact, we'll, we'll go there real quick. I'll read it for you. In Deuteronomy chapter 6. <clears throat> Here is the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
with all your soul, with all your strength. Those, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you, a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells that you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. When, the, that, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Don't forget my faithfulness. All right, there's, this, there's this theme here in Deuteronomy, in, in Joshua here. You can even pull it into the New Testament with Hebrews that God is faithful. Joshua is reminding his people in this instance that God is faithful. I mean, even in Hebrews chapter 11, you have these, these people, some of these similar stories. They, there's the story of Abraham in there, the story of Isaac and Jacob. Even in Hebrews chapter 11, there's some of the stories that we read in Joshua. There's a story of Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. There's a story of Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. All of these are found in Hebrews 11. And he's just reminding the reader, he's reminding us, he's reminding the people of Israel in this sense, God is faithful. God is faithful. God has been faithful. And I'm sure this morning, if we wanted to, we could have a testimony time to share about all the different times that God has been faithful in our own lives. But I, I just want to say this this morning. Remember that even in your own life, God has been faithful. God has been faithful. We sing a song, I will look back and see that you are faithful. I look ahead believing that you are able. That, that song is, is a beautiful song. We're talking about just remembering the fact that God is faithful to us. I mean, I can look back and see different moments in my life. I think the one that just, just comes most readily is just this moment as I was getting ready to as interviewing for my master's class. And the, the professor there at Point Loma, who knew my family, who knew everything that went on with my family, said, isn't, it, isn't God faithful in your life? That on the day that your family would never be known the same, you met your wife, you met your new family. And God is so good. God is so faithful. God has been so faithful to me. God has been so faithful to this church. Amen. I mean, think about the history of this church, 110 years plus worth of history at this church. Think about the lives that have been changed because of this church. Think of how different the kingdom looks because of this church. Think about how, how different your life is even because of this church. I mean, there, God has been faithful. And we could, we could probably share story after story this morning of the faithfulness of God. I think what I want you to do, though, is just, just think about that. And on your notes page, would you just... Just write down a word or two that just reminds you of, of God's faithfulness in your life. And you just ponder those words this week. Would this week just be a week for you where you just remember and realize and just reflect on God's faithfulness in your own life? That this truth that God is faithful, that God has been faithful, would just be so real to you. God has been faithful. Joshua reminds his people of that in the first half of this, this final speech that God has been faithful. And not only God has been faithful, Joshua doesn't stop there. 
Joshua kind of demands a response from his people in light of God's faithfulness. Right? You, you read the rest of this, and, and starting in verse 14, I mean, starting in 13, so I gave you the land on which you did not toil, cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. I have been faithful to you. So now verse 14, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. See, there's a response to the faithfulness of God that Joshua is talking about here. Joshua is saying, look, choose for yourself which God you want to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Right? Choose for yourself. There is a, there's a choice to, of what to do in response to the faithfulness of God. In response to, to what God has done over these times. And what's interesting, even these two parallel passages that we talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Hebrews 11, both of them follow this same pattern. Right? Immediately following what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, here's what he says. Remember, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That's verse 12. Verse 13, tell me if this sounds familiar. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you. He will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. Now, remember, <laughs> when you go into this land, don't forget the Lord. Instead, serve him only. Don't forget him. Remember what he has done. Remember the faithfulness of God. And in response to that faithfulness, would you serve him and would you serve him only? Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only. Take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God. He continues saying some of the things that Joshua even says. When Joshua uh, tells, Joshua plays really, uh, it's kind of like a, like a master at reverse psychology in this, in this thing. Serve the Lord your God. Yeah, we'll serve the Lord your God. You can't serve the Lord your God. You can't do this. You, you, I remember in youth ministry, it was kind of like this. Like when I was dealing with high schoolers or junior hires and I wanted them to do something, it was like, you won't do that. You can't do that. I don't believe you'll do that. I don't believe you'll talk to her. I don't believe you're going to go do this. I don't think you'll eat this, right? Inevitably, they would do it. And they would do it with such tenacity just to try and prove me wrong. Right, there's, there's a guy, uh, I wrote it down here, his name's Lennox. In a commentary, he said <clears throat> that these words of Joshua are to be taken rhetorically, intended to produce a more thoughtful and therefore stronger commitment. Joshua said that you need to serve the Lord your God and serve him only. People of Israel are like, yeah, amen. All of these things that you've just said, amen to that. God did do all that stuff. We remember. Our parents remember. We were there when God did all this stuff. Of course we're going to serve God. Joshua comes back with, no, you're not. You can't. You can't do this. And people are like, no, no, no. We are going to do this. We are going to serve God. We're going to live for him. We're going to do all of this. 
God, Jesus, in response to the faithfulness of God, serve God. In response to the faithfulness of God, pursue God. It even happens in Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11 it goes through all of these people. It goes through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all these people. And even at the end of the chapter, it's just like, I could have talked about this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. I just don't have enough time. Look at all the faithfulness that has come before us. And then Hebrews chapter 12 starts. Therefore, therefore, in light of all of that, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I, Hebrews is taking a slightly different angle here, but he's saying the same thing. It's, he's saying in light of the faithfulness of God, in light of all of these people who we have seen who have just embodied the faithfulness of God, would we fix our eyes on Jesus? Would we, in essence, serve him only, as Joshua and Deuteronomy say? In response to the faithfulness of God, there is but one response. Well, there's two. We've got to make a choice, Joshua says. In light of the faithfulness of God, let's serve God. Here's the thing. It's easy to, to kind of sit here in this space where we all kind of are like amening everything that Joshua has to say here. It's harder once we walk out the doors and we have all these little G gods that call for our allegiance. We have these gods of, of money and power and pleasure and all these different things that we pursue. But the, the question is, where do your allegiances lie? Because in light of God's faithfulness, our allegiance is to him and to him alone. In light of God's faithfulness, our response is to serve him and to serve him only. In light of the faithfulness of God, what is your response? What is your response? Joshua doesn't... Uh, Pull any punches, really. Joshua just calls for the response. I mean, in verse, verse 15, he even just puts it pretty straight. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, if these other little G gods sound more fun, more interesting, and more like putting your energy into, choose for yourself this day which gods you're going to serve. As for me and my house, Joshua says, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to respond to the faithfulness of God by being faithful to him. We're going to respond to the faithfulness of God by fixing our eyes on him. We're going to respond to the faithfulness of God by pursuing him and pursuing him only. We're going to respond to the faithfulness of God by serving him every way that we know how. So the question is this morning, who will you serve? 
Who will you serve? Our God has been faithful. Our God continues to be faithful. Our God will always be faithful. How will you respond to the faithfulness of God? My hope and my prayer is that we respond like Joshua. I remember Joshua is coming from a place where he just is fully in. Joshua is bought into everything that God is, everything that God has. God, I trust you. I believe you. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be courageous. We hear this, be strong and courageous. Joshua was nothing but strong and courageous. He just went after it full speed. God is who he says he is. He can do the things he says he'll do. God, you're faithful. Joshua, at the end of his life, literally the end of his life, is able to say, for me and my house, we're going to respond to the faithfulness of God by serving him and by serving him only. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Who will you serve? My hope this week for you, my prayer this week for you, is that you would spend time every day, every morning, every night, not all of those, just one of those, (laughs) just reflecting on the faithfulness of God. How has God been faithful in my life? Maybe if you, even if you're not into journaling, would you just commit to journaling with me this week? Maybe just once a day. Maybe just a few words. How has God been faithful to me? And as you write this down, as you think about the ways in which God has been faithful to you, I just ask that you would just say a prayer over those words. Thanking God for his faithfulness. And would you just pray to commit, God, in light of your faithfulness, I will serve you and I will serve you only. God, in light of your faithfulness to me, would I be faithful to you? God, in light of your faithfulness to me, would my allegiance lie nowhere else than in your love? May I build my life on your love because you are faithful. I look forward to the stories of how God speaks and moves through your journaling this week and through your prayers this week. Let's pray.